Thank you for listening to this message from Southridge Community Church, located in Clinton, New Jersey. We hope God speaks to you through this message today and that you find new ways to apply His Word to your life. Additional messages and more information can be found on southridgecc.org. So let's get started. Well, good morning. How are you guys doing? It's so good to see you. So good uh, to see the guys who slept in this morning and uh, obviously have a lot more energy. I, I just wanted to say this. Uh, in the first service, when I saw that video, like my heart was stirred. Like I don't need any extra push to be more excited about what God is doing. But I was so encouraged. And I, I, I think I, when, when they talked about 10 people coming to know the Lord, um, you know, the Bible says that heaven has a party. Like, you know, if you look through the Bible and you want to see where heaven explodes with a party, it's when one sinner repents. And um, I just wanted us to give God a hand of praise this morning. Not, not just a gold clap, but a praise to say thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. And, and, and my, my encouragement this morning is just like... Uh, let us marvel at the work that God is doing. You know, God gets us, get, allows us to peek in and see what he's doing around the world. He is a big God. He is working here uh, in New Jersey, but he's also, he's also working in Zimbabwe, and he's working in South Africa, in Brazil, in Cambodia. God is doing a mighty work, and, and what a joy it is to see that. Um, but like um, Olivia said, my name is Rob. And, uh, you know, I am, I've been a friend of Southridge for a while, okay? I've been a friend. You guys know, know me for 12 years. We've known each other for 12 years. Isn't that wild? 12 years. I thought about that. I was like, when I met Southridge, you know, I was, you know, I was single. I was a single guy, you know, and we're just sitting under a tree in Zimbabwe. And now I'm married. I have two kids. You know, I, I live down the street. Isn't that wild? I have a, I, you know, I even got an organ in the time that we've known each other. That's like a lot of stuff. And so um, I'm really blessed to be here. Just, just glad to see what God does when we're in relationships for as long as we have been. And to see his hand move and to see what God is, has been doing. Uh, as I look out, I see my crew from uh, Harvey Cedars. What a joy to see your faces. I don't even know where everyone else is, but we had a wild week, guys. We ate camp food for five days straight. Um, definitely, that if you want the Lord to come, just that's what you need to do. Um, and so I'm so glad that um, I had that privilege. It was such, a, such an honor to see what God was doing. He is raising, let me tell you this, God is raising a generation. And I want you as a church, I told them that when we were in New Jersey, God is raising a generation that is going to change the world. He is doing it. They're already on fire. They already love Jesus. And he's just going to set them loose. And church, my encouragement to us, you know, I know I'm not that old. I know the older people here, but I felt the Holy Spirit just say, we need to pass that baton on. We need to create space and room for what God is doing in that generation because it is going to transform lives. And I'm excited about that. Look, I'm not even preaching the sermon. That's just the intro. Um, I'm excited about a lot of things. Well, if uh, today we're going through a series called Note to Self. Note to Self. And Nathan kicked it off last week. Wasn't that awesome? Last week, we got to know a lot about uh, eating, eating well and eating, eating often, right? You guys got that last week. It was great. Um, I felt like uh, one of the things that I walked away with, it's funny what you take away from church 
But I walked away with the fact that uh, uh, 3,500 cal- 3, calories in one pound of body fat, I immediately realized why my diet's not working. I've never looked at my watch and it says, you've burned 3,500 calories. I was like, what? It's not working. But, but the reminder was not that. The reminder was, hey, eat well, eat often. And we got to be in God's word. We got we to feed and feast on the word of God so that we become what God is, 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 is always intended us, for us to be. And this morning, the notes that, I am, that, that we're going to write to ourselves this morning is that uh, Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. That there's only one way, and that's Jesus. And uh, this morning, we're, we're going to find that these are the words that Jesus says, that this is not some made-up thing. This is what Jesus says about himself. So if you have your Bibles... Turn with me to John 14, John chapter 14, and we're going to start here in verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the, the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how, how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and, you, and, and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Holy Spirit, lead us. Open our eyes to see your glory, to receive this word. I know, Lord, that we could just read that verse, read those verses, Lord, and open the doors, and our spirits would be fully fed, Lord. So I ask that all the words that will be spoken today, Lord, I pray that only the words that you intend to stick in our hearts would stick, Lord. May you be the loudest voice in this room. We want to be led by you and you alone. We want to be led by your word, Lord. I just pray that our hearts just settle this morning and that this, this seed will be thrown onto, onto fertile ground, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So Jesus, in this passage of Scripture, he is saying, he, this is one of the boldest claims that Jesus makes. Now, even today, it can feel a little bit uncomfortable to say those words because we live in a world that is saying that there are multiple ways. 
That, that, that the destination that everyone wants to get to, the question that humanity has, what will happen after I've lived this life? What is the purpose of life? That there are many things out there that are saying that there's another way. But Jesus says, I am the only way, that there's one way. And, and, and this, this can be a little bit hard to wrestle with in today's climate and today's culture. Jesus is the only way. And, and, you, and we find that, that, that ways are important because knowing how to get to places, we need to know the way. And uh, I know I had to get here this morning. I had to know the way here. And I've been coming here for many years. Eight years, maybe seven of them, I've been driving myself here. And I have a weird relationship with Google Maps. Um, so when I punch in the destination, um, when it says, you have 40 minutes to get to Southridge, I say, challenge accepted, right? I don't know, maybe it's just being a dumb dude or whatever. I just look at Google Maps suggestions and I go, oh, well, what Google is communicating to me is, do you know another way there? And I look at it, and I, and I know that this gets me into trouble in, in my marriage, like, all the time. Because when I do this, and my wife's sitting next to me, she's like, why don't you just follow Google? Like, why don't you just trust the map? Right? We have this, sometimes this weird relationship with, with Google Maps. And, and, and you know, like, I, I was thinking about maps and, and ways and, and how, how we get around. The, how, how many of you remember, how many of you remember MapQuest? MapQuest.com. Like, I remember the first time I came to the United States, like, this was like a miracle. I was like, the, Jesus is coming soon. You can go on the computer and print a map to the place that you want to go to, the exact place, just on one little sheet of paper. This is amazing. And I thought MapQuest was, the, was revolutionary. And then, and then, how many of you remember when MapQuest died and went to be with the Lord? Tom Tom came. Tom Tom, do you guys remember Tom Tom? Anyone that had a Tom Tom? Okay, you see those hands? These are the wealthy people. Tom Tom, it was college or Tom Tom. That's how expensive that thing was, right? It was so expensive. Um, I remember I, I looked this up and I was like, how much did a Tom Tom cost? Because I just knew it was an arm and a leg. But the, the app, the Tom Tom app, when it came out into the Apple App Store, it was $100 for the app. I was like, it's a navigation app, a hundred bucks. If you're in here and you paid a hundred dollars for TomTom on your phone, we will be praying for you after the service, the trauma you've been through. That's like a hundred bucks. But then, but then there's this generation, right? You know, TomTom, MapQuest. Then there's a generation of people, like they, 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 they don't exist anymore, but they lived in a world where, I, I, dare I say, they did the impossible. They memorized the way. Like they were like Lewis and Clark navigating to malls they had never been to, taking kids to travel soccer, and just remembering that I turned right here and left. This is like prehistoric. Like I don't even understand how they did it. And I say that to make this point, that we need to memorize the way. We need to know the way. When Jesus says he's the way, that he's the truth, that he's the life, we need to have his, his directions. The thing that he says, hey, this is the way of Jesus. We need to have that written on our hearts so that we know that we know the way. That we memorize the way. 
And when we look at this, it's important for, for us to know this, as Nathan was talking about last week. We can only know the way by going that way often. And so as we go often, as we eat often, as we're in God's word often, we start to know more and more of his ways. Not our ways. That's our prayer, church. Not our ways, but your ways. That was Jesus' prayer. Not my will, but yours. Not my way. And so we find here that the first thing that we see in this passage of Scripture is that Jesus is telling them a destination. He, he puts a destination onto the GPS and says, you, you, here is where I am going and this is the way. I am the way to the Father. That's what Jesus is saying to his disciples. He comes to them. He's comforting them because he's about to leave them. And you can see that these guys who've walked with Jesus for all these years, who've put their trust in Jesus. Jesus is now saying, I am now going to another place. And the destination that Jesus plugs into that map is his Father's house. And he says, I am going to my Father's house. How many of you know that on a map, one of the most important things that we need to know about a map is where are we going, right? Like the destination is something that we care about a lot when we're on the way. And Jesus says, the way, if you follow me, if you follow Jesus, you are being led to the Father's house. If you follow Jesus, you're being led to eternity with the Father, that's the journey that you're on if you're a follower of Jesus. And Jesus says, that is where we're going. See, Christianity is not, it's not a religion. Maybe you're new to church and maybe you've just heard this said, but I can unpack it a little bit more by saying that Jesus is in relationship with his disciples and their, their longing is to be in his presence. They're concerned about Jesus if you leave us. How will we remain in your presence? How many of you long and make plans? How many of us are driven and motivated in this walk that we're in, if you're following Jesus, that his presence is the most precious thing? Like church, we need to talk about the presence of God. We need to want the presence of God more than anything because it is in his presence that the Bible says there's fullness of joy. We're not going to find it anywhere else. So Jesus says, the destination that I'm plugging in is my father's house. You know what? Why, why, do I, why do I think that's important? Well, it's important to establish why Jesus is the way and why he's the only way back. You know, in church, we sometimes assume everyone knows the context of what we're talking about. And I think I've been so convicted about just talking about the Bible without talking about why that very thing matters or why the way matters, why the destination matters. You see, church, here's what's, here's what's really good about the, the good news is that we were far off, that we fell off that there was no way back, that we lost access back to the Father. We lost that. And the good news is that Jesus is that way. The, the Bible, has, and, and, I, and I know this as a pastor, is that we, we sometimes look and skip over the Old Testament and say, well, that's the Old Testament. I like that you guys went through Elijah recently. Like, because we need to know what the foreshadow is for us to understand the image of Christ. You see, we needed a way back. 
Because when you look at the Bible and you open right at the front and you go to Genesis 1, you find that creation story. And you find in that creation story, God is in the beginning. He's just like, bam, he's just making the universe, right? You read and it's this beautiful piece of poetic, uh, you know, literature that's just like awesome. And it's just pointing out everything that God did in the beginning. Like, boom, there was the universe. Boom, there was the sea, the mountains, the grass. Everything was amazing. And then then God goes, okay, bam, there's Adam. And Adam steps on the scene. God creates him, like breathes life into his nostrils, into the dust. And then there's this Adam who's running around naked, just naming stuff. It's amazing. Beautiful picture. He's got the best job in the world. The freest guy ever. Just running around. Bah, 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 bah. And then God says, not good for you to be alone. And then he puts him, takes a nap. When he wakes up, Eve is there. Adam is like, what? <laughs> Poetry comes out of his mouth. He's like, this girl is amazing. Eve's just won the bachelorette. And she was the only contestant. It's beautiful. And Adam is happy and everything is good. Church, it's two chapters of the Bible. Everything is good. And we get to chapter 3. And sin enters the world. And there's a fracture. There's a lie. There's a serpent. There's deception. And in the worst episode of Deal or No Deal, Adam and Eve take the fruit over everything. And we find that from that point on, as they are separated because they can no longer be in the presence of a holy God. They're separated and humanity is separated from God. And we find that as that story goes, the Bible from that point is making a promise which is known as the promise of salvation. That is what the Old Testament keeps on saying over and over again. God saying that there's sin that came into the world. It separated us, but I will make a promise. And we find in Genesis 3 verse 15, God says this to the serpent, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. And then God makes this promise. He says, he will crush your head. One he. God says, here's the promise I will make, that her offspring, someone in the line of Eve will come, and it's a he, and you'll crush the head of the serpent, and the enemy will be defeated. And throughout the Old Testament, as you open, as you read all these stories, they are just a foreshadowing of this one he. So when we look in the Bible, and we look at Abraham, and we look at Isaac, we look at Jacob, we're like, is it him? No, that's not the he. And then we go to Joseph, it's not the he, just a shadow. Moses, just a shadow. Joshua, just a shadow. Boaz, David, Solomon, just shadows. And then when we get to Matthew chapter 1, the camera pans from the shadow, and it tips, and we finally see the image that was casting the shadow, and that's Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, I am the he. I am the promise of salvation. I am the way back. And so Jesus is saying this in this passage of scripture. He's saying, I am the way. This is really beautiful passage of scripture that we sometimes skip over. And you, you must read it. It's in Luke 24, 44. And it says, he said to them, this is Jesus talking to the disciples as he, as he, was, as, as he, as he came back, as he was resurrected. He says, this is what I told you while I was still with you. 
everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. Isn't that amazing? What Jesus is saying there, he is quoting, he's saying that the, the law of Moses, just a, just a nickname for the first five books of the Bible, the prophets, the prophets in the Bible, and the, and the Psalms, which are the writings, Jesus is saying, your Bible is telling you that I have come. I am the one who has come to make a way. And Jesus opens their minds so that they understand the scriptures. And so we find that this is Jesus saying, I'm the way. And then Jesus says something bold. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Church, as we watch that video of the missionaries who are in Cambodia, and when they talk about standing outside of their house and inviting people into their home. And when they say and they talk about the urgency of preaching the gospel, the urgency of those who know Jesus to actually talk about Jesus, to actually tell people about Jesus, it is because of things like this that Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me. Church, what does no one mean? No one. Can you feel the weight of that in our neighborhoods, in our families? No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, I don't care what spiritual gymnastics you might have made to adjust things, to say, I don't know, and I don't know either. But the Bible says in red, in Jesus' words, no one comes to the Father except through me. Church, I have family who do not know Jesus. When I read that line, I go, I know Jesus. And no one goes to the Father except through Him. It creates an urgency that there are people we love and know. And the flesh is getting in the way of us because of pride or rejection. That no one goes to the Father except through Him. The cry of the gospel the cry of the one who loves the Lord says, I cannot hold on to this truth by myself. I cannot extinguish it on myself. Church, we are a church on mission. The mission is great. The mission is big. The mission is constant. It is the barista at your coffee shop. It is the person who comes and, and, and cuts the grass at your house. It is your relatives who come and sit around the Thanksgiving table. Pick your battle. <laughs> we could talk about the eagles. Or maybe I'm not going to forget to tell you that Jesus loves you. He has a plan for you. I am annoying, but I am fixated on Jesus. I'm obsessively fixated on Jesus. And it might annoy you, but I love you. I heard this testimony, church. It, it, it stuck in my heart. I didn't say this in the first service of a comedian, an atheist comedian. And he said, after his show, there was this guy who was a lifelong fan who stood and waited outside his show and handed him a Bible and said, hey man, I've been a fan for years. I became a Christian and I just, I just think you need to know Jesus. And he said, I didn't become a Christian. 
But he said, at that point, I respected that person more than anything. Because what he believes is if I don't know what he knows, I don't get to spend eternity in heaven. And he's going pride aside, embarrassment aside, rejection aside. What he believes is that there's a truck coming for me. And what I could respect was he wouldn't let me stand in front of that truck and get run over. That is love, church. Our love must communicate that. Jesus is the way, the only way. Excuse me for the passion in my voice, but it is urgent. It is urgent that we do that and we live that way. So Jesus says this, there's no other way. You know, I got, you know, those messages that come on Facebook, you know, share this with 20 of your friends. And it's a picture of Mel Gibson and Jim Caviezel shooting the Passion of the Christ. Share this with 20 people and you're not embarrassed. It's like, okay, that's not how we get into heaven. If that's how you think you're going to get in, God's going to be like, that's not how you get in. I never told anyone to share that picture. It's like, maybe you think it's your own goodness, right? Like, I'm kind of a good person. You know, I pay my taxes on time. Like, I'm kind. I give to this. I give to the Red Cross when there's an emergency. That's not going to get you to the destination either. Jesus is saying it's only through him. Whether you were born at a Chris Tomlin concert and your first words were Jesus, or your sin is longer than a CVS receipt. Jesus says, the only way is through me. Church, there's only one way, only one way to Christ, only one way to to the Father. You know, I took this sign just so that you remember this. I promise I'll put it back. But um, (laughs) so some people are driving wild out there. But, But there's only one way. There's only one direction that the Lord is saying. It's only through Christ, church. The truth of the gospel. I want you to remember this because we see this sign every day. And when you see this, be reminded. This is urgent. There's one way, and that is Jesus. And so we find this, church, that the next thing that Jesus talks about here is that he says there's only one way. And and the thing about the way that I just want to remind us is that the way is narrow. The way is not an easy path. The way is narrow. I know some of us in this room, even in talking about what I just spoke about, we, we feel the tension in culture, right? We feel that tension where some of you may have grown up at a time where Christianity was a cool thing, was accepted, or there was, there was just a general respect for it, and now it's kind of eroding. It kind of feels like it's persecution, but it's like persecution light, you know, compared to the rest of the world. So we kind of tend, we're in this tension of rejection, and not being accepted, and things changing. And so we, we feel the tension. But the Bible tells us that the way is narrow. It is not wide. That we may lose friends. That we may be mocked. That we may face rejection. That we may not become the socially accepted thing. Because the way is narrow. Jesus' words... Matthew chapter 7, 13 to 14. Jesus says, enter through the narrow gates. 
For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only few find it. These are Jesus' words. And a good way, a good rule of thumb to read the Bible, just read what's happening before or after that passage of Scripture. If you go to Matthew chapter 7, you'll find that immediately after Jesus talks about the, the narrow way, talks about the way be narrow, he says, watch out for false teachers. Jesus is saying, in, in a sense, he's saying, listen, the, the road is narrow. Watch out for people who tell you that it's wide. The road is bumpy and uncomfortable. Watch out for the people who tell you that it is comfortable. That church, when we see what's going on in the world and we face some of that tension, some of that, some of that rejection, church, we should be encouraged that this is what Jesus said. This road is narrow. This road is narrow. It is inevitable, church, that we're going to face difficulties. And it's going to be tough. But I want you to, to know that Jesus has not left us alone. That we have been given a helper, the Holy Spirit. That he has equipped us to face rejection, hard times, persecution. He's equipped us like Christians are built for that. That you are made to go through these hard times and still love the way Jesus loved. Because when we are following the way of Jesus... We watch what Jesus did to those who persecuted him. When on Easter, when we look at the cross, people are nailing him to a cross and Jesus is praying for their forgiveness. Church, we are built. We have the way. We know the way of Christ. We know what we ought to do when we're pressed against the wall. We know what to do when people are striking us. We know what to do because that is what our king did. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. The way of Jesus. It's very convicting, church, because I know what we want to do. Someone punches us, we want to punch back. I don't know if that's the way of Jesus. In fact, I can tell you that when they came to arrest Jesus <laughs> and Peter cut off the soldier's ear, Jesus was like, excuse this guy, he's new around here. He didn't read the manual. <laughs> he picks up the ear. He's like, sorry, dude. Like, this is actually Peter. Shh. This is supposed to happen. That's the way of Christ is not to be at war. The way of Christ is actually to love our enemies. That's what leads to life. That's the way. And so Jesus says, the way is narrow. The way is narrow. Our church, we need this note because we have this confidence in us. The confidence that we have is that Jesus has won the victory. Church, that's exciting. We know the truth. We know who wins. We know the end of the story. If you read the Bible to the end, you know the end of the story. Jesus says, I'm coming back. We know that Jesus on the cross said it is finished. We know that the enemy was defeated. We know that he is the one who crushed the head of the serpent. We know that we have the victory. Despite what the world may say, despite what it looks like, despite where, what, what's happening in, a, in, in our community, Jesus has the victory. Amen. Jesus has the victory. Amen. Amen. 
We can praise, we can continue to walk in, 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 with joy in our hearts, knowing that the game's been done, it's been, it's been won. I, I, I know this might be irritating because I always use this illustration, but the truth of the matter is we have the victory despite what we see. You know, I'm from Zimbabwe, right? I'm from Africa. And you guys know that after the Super Bowl, right, the, the winner, the, the loser's t-shirts that said that they won, where do they ship them? They ship them off to Zimbabwe, to Africa. The land of all the fake Super Bowl winners, right? People running around with T-shirts, and it's the wrong champion. It's real. It's a T-shirt. We'll have the Nike logo, the tags, everything. Wrong champion, right? The Buffalo Bills are a dynasty in Zimbabwe. Dynasty. Back to back to back to back champions. We're like, the Bills never won four times, right? We know that we're seeing the wrong champion, and church in this world, we're walking around, and it looks real. It, it has all the tags, but that's not the champion. The cross, we know it's finished. Jesus won it all. We have the victory. So we walk in the truth, the victory. Church, when we are victorious in Christ, we understand that this world is not our home. I'll say this, church, if you know that in, 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 in Jesus' Father's house, he's prepared. We sing the song, in my Father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. We sing the song. That's our home. Right here, earth, don't put your pictures up. It's an Airbnb. It's temporary. We're going home to the Father. That's our house. And so, church, we can walk in this life knowing that it may never be good here. There are generations in the Bible that lived in nothing but misery, and yet they were faithful to the Lord. They never saw one person turn around and say, I love Jesus. And yet they know the victory's been won. Church, we, we live in that. Let's walk in that. And Jesus is... He's won the victory and, and he's made a way. I love that in this passage of scripture, Jesus says this. He promises his disciples something. He says this. And if I go and prepare a place for you, he says, I will come back. I will come back and take you to be with me. That you also may be where I am. Jesus is coming back, church. He's coming back. And I know people try and predict when. But all I know is that today is more coming back than he was yesterday. Amen. So I just live like he's coming back. Today may not be the last day, but it's a laster day than yesterday. Right? Just making up English words up here. But it is. The reality is this. We walk and live prepared that even before we get home, Jesus will be back. Can you imagine? He's coming back. So if you're in Christ, that's great news. And we look forward to Jesus coming back. And he says, hey, listen, I am going to take you and we're going to go back to our rightful place, to the kingdom that we belong to. You know, church, uh, the funniest story that's happened in my family happened to us last year. My half-brother last year found out that he was a South African prince. Can you imagine that? Our whole lives we lived, and we lived, grew up in the same house. He never knew that he was royalty his whole life. Until last year, he's 50. 
For 50 years, that guy lived going, I'm just a normal dude. And then one day, he goes to South Africa and sees a whole village that's named after his, his granddad. And they're like, the prince is back. And they kill a goat. They're like, it's you. We've been waiting. Your, your granddad ran away because he had some problems with other guys here. So, but this is yours. They give him land. I'm like, I am so glad he found this out at 50. Can you imagine how bratty you would have been at 13? Going, guys, the king is here. You'd be like Joseph in the Bible, right? The prince is here. So church, if you, if you get an email from me saying I have my prince and I have African prince needs money, it's real. It's not a scam. Right? All his life didn't know he was royalty. Didn't know he had a place. Didn't know he had a kingdom. Quote, unquote. Because it's quite a small place. Here's what I'm saying to you. The way that has been made for us is for us to go back to our rightful place. The place that was purchased by the cross. We live in the freedom of knowing that Jesus came and he made a way for us. He made a way for us to live in the place that we were called to live. You know, I, I'm not saying this to, to, to amp you up, but listen, if you, like, like this is just a way that royalty operates. And if you are part... If you're co-heirs with Christ and, you're, and you are royalty, there's a way that we ought to walk. There's a way that we ought to live. There's a way we ought to function. And then there's another thing that I have to say is that maybe you, you, you're not on the way. So if Jesus came back today, it might be bad news for you. I want to say this. Good news is he's made a way back for the lost. That Jesus made a way for the lost that maybe you're coming to church this morning and this is your step of faith. You're saying, okay, like the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. If you've never read Luke chapter 15, go and read Luke chapter 15 and you will know that the father waits for you. That while you're still a way off, maybe you took a detour, you veered off the way, but there's a way back for you. While you're still a way off, it says, the father ran toward the son and he put his robe on him and he put a ring on him and he said, listen, we're, we're going to kill the fatted calf. We're having steaks today because my child who was lost is now found. That's what the gospel is. Jesus made a way for us. He made a way back for us. As the band comes up, as as I close, I don't know who's here this morning. I don't know who's here this morning and where you are. And maybe I know that I've said a lot of things this morning, but I want to encourage you. Maybe you're here this morning and, and um, you've lost the urgency to preach the gospel. You've lost the urgency to tell of Jesus' goodness. Maybe you think that there's another day that's coming. As a pastor for the last decade, I've met many people who were so brokenhearted by the fact that they never shared the gospel with those they loved. They were afraid of rejection. But you know, I'm so glad that someone, my, my, my cricket teammate in high school, Simon Phillips, 
in an all-boys school where we ridiculed every Christian, that he wasn't afraid to tell me, Rob, I found something of great value, Jesus, and you can have it too. And, he, and, I, and I mocked him. And he continued to come to me and say, Rob, I found something of great value. And his name is Jesus. And you do not know, I'm, I'm that Rob standing in front of you with the Bible, preaching the gospel, losing my voice, passionate about Jesus. I am so glad that he disregarded his flesh and said, I'll be mocked, but I will tell the truth. That is you, church. Do not think that the hand of God that saved you is not powerful enough to save your neighbor. It is. He is mighty to save. If you've never been sent this morning, this is the commission. Go out and be the church and tell of the one who has transformed your life. And see what Jesus will do. And maybe you're back in this place. Maybe someone did take that step of faith. Maybe you were dragged to church and, and you were told like, oh man, there's going to be this cool guy looks like Usher and the moment you walked in you're like he looks nothing like Usher that person lied to me but whatever got you through these doors praise God because Jesus is pursuing you and praise God for that person who brought you here because God wants to meet with you there's a way back for you there is life you too are part of that royal that royal family that Jesus purchased on the cross. This morning, I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. He is so intentional that this is not a coincidence. He is talking to you. You're back. And he wants you back. And who knows what God is going to unleash in your life. Who knows the lives that will be transformed by your step of faith this morning. Come back. And then for us, some of us in the trenches, I want to encourage you. That's what church is. Maybe you were beaten up this week. Maybe, man, you, you feel like, man, I don't know if I can, I can still make it. Man, my, man I, I just have this anger inside of my heart and it feels righteous because I see where, the, where, where, the, where cultures go and everything. I, hey, this is why we come back together to look at each other, to encourage one another, to tell ourselves, hey, listen, get back to that shalom. Get back to that peace. Hey, take a breath. Jesus has got this. Remember, you're seeing the Buffalo Bills as champions. That's not real. Jesus has got the victory. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us, church. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you, Lord, that you have equipped them, that you are going to unleash them in this community. Father, I pray that even in the people in this room, Lord, that you are going to send them back to their homes, their communities, their, the cafes, the restaurants, their places of business. And Father God, you're going to equip them, give them wisdom, Lord, to know when to say and what to say. And I pray, Lord, that you will, we will see, Lord, a harvest that is plentiful. Lord, equip us as workers 
us, Lord. Equip me, Lord. Let me drive back to my neighborhood, Father, and let me go around my neighborhood and continue, Lord, to talk about your goodness, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would equip us. And I pray, Lord, I thank you for one sinner that has repented this morning. We know that heaven now has a party. Lord, we know that there's drums and there's music. There's whatever it is, angels flying around right now, Lord, for the one person who says, I'm coming back to that place. I'm going back to the way. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the work that you've already done. We praise you, Lord. And we, we look with eager expectation for baptisms, for people who will bring other people, Lord, to know your name. We thank you, Jesus. You are so good. And it is in your mighty name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand?
Thank you so much for being with us this morning. Our prayer team is down to the right. We'd love to pray for you. God bless. Have a wonderful day. And why don't we thank Rob for being with us this morning.